0: Children, you are dismissed to teach me to worship. (coughs) Let us go to the Lord in prayer, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Open our eyes to see you this morning. Reveal to us the great love that you have for us in Christ. Lord, comfort those who are lonely and afraid. Heal those who are sick. Lord, bring comfort. Lord, I lift up Miss Kale Reddit, Doctor Lynch, Miss Claire, Miss Cynthia, John Michael. Jonathan Pence Father the list goes on of those who are suffering who have ailments that need to be cured Father heal them whether through a miraculous a miraculous exposure of your goodness or through secondary causes. Lord, we pray for Christ Presbyterian Church that we might be a body, that we might be a people. who stand for your love and your grace in this community, who proclaim the good news. Lord, we ask that you bless these gifts that we have provided, that this will just be an extension of our everyday ministry to our community. to reveal the generosity that we have received ourselves in Christ. Father, we pray for the other churches in our presbytery. Lord, bind them together. Keep them from the evil one. Lord, where there is disunity, I ask that you expose it. That you call those to repentance are in sin. Father, I lift up my brother Austin as he ministers to the students of Ole Miss. Lord, may he week after week proclaim Christ crucified and resurrected, the only hope of salvation. Father, we lift up our leaders. I pray for President Biden and Vice President Harris, for our justices, for our senators, for our representatives, even for our mayors and our eldermen. Lord, may they rule with justice and fairness and grace that they have learned from you. Father, we ask that you bless this world. We ask that you bless Mark and Liz Shaibe Bless the family. Bless the work of their hands. Bless their marriage. And Father, may we pray as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Gloria in excelsis Deo. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the opening line of Scripture. As I often teach our children in the communicants class, this line sets the pace for the entire narrative. This opening line is very important. Like any good book or like any movie, it introduces us to the main character that we will see on every single page of Scripture, God himself. And then we learn something about this God. He is a God who creates, and He's a God who separates. God, in His good creation, created two distinct yet very separate realms the heavens and the earth. One spiritual, one physical, one visible, one invisible. And these different realms lie within the created order, yet these two realms are separated by space and time. Earth is in the created order in which we live is governed by God's omnipotent providence. And we are constrained by time and gravity and finiteness. Yet God also created the heavens, which he also rules by his omnipotent providence. Providence. Yet, we don't know much about this heaven. We don't know much about the spiritual realm. And the only thing that we do know is what Scripture speaks of, of this realm where God dwells. God is in heaven. That is what we just prayed in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven... And we also know that in this realm, this is where the angels are. For in the scriptures, we constantly see the angels come from heaven. But heaven is unlike earth that orbits the sun. In heaven, everything orbits around the glory of God himself. It is his throne room that is at the center of of all existence. Even in other religions, all religions recognize this separation between a physical realm and a spiritual realm. Yet there is nothing that we can do to actually prove the existence of a spiritual realm. Because by, in fact, by trying to prove it using physical means, we run into a very big problem. We sever the distance between the creator and the creature and erase the boundary which can only lead to Gnosticism. Yet, what the scriptures have chosen to reveal to us is that there is such a realm and not only is there such a realm but the heavenly beings that dwell in that realm have come to us. And this is where we are this morning. In the scriptures, we have received a historical account of what happens when the heavenly is conjoined with the earthly. Children, this is children. This is your time to shine, right? You've been coming to Catechism Club every Wednesday, and what does we learn in the catechism? What is God? God is a spirit body like man. Right? You all said that. I heard. And this is what our confession says, our catechism says. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And Luke describes for us here in the first seven verses of the second chapter what happens when this spirit, this God, who exists outside of creation, comes into the creation. I hope you come back on Christmas morning, because that's when I'm going to talk about these first seven verses. But it's not only God who comes down to earth in this passage. It's also these heavenly angels. And this is literally inconceivable the supernatural power and glory of God is revealed to mere shepherds. And honestly, I don't know what you might expect to find when that happens. When we find ourselves standing at the brink of the conjoining of these two realms, the only thing that I can think of that would happen is exactly what Luke describes as happening. In verse 9, the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. The only illustration that I could conceive of to try to express this in our terms is this is you walking around in the pitch dark of night and the FBI helicopter shines its light upon you. The only thing you're going to do is Maybe say a bad word and run, right? They were overcome with fear. And it's interesting, we don't usually associate fear with Christmas. But this is the continual word that describes what happens when this supernatural being, this angel, keeps appearing to these characters in the story. When the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah, he was overcome with great fear. When this angel appeared to Mary, he told her, do not fear. And this is the regular occurrence of when the heavenly joins the earthly. When Jesus begins his ministry, he tells his soon-to-be disciples, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. And when the net's filled with fish, Luke tells us, they were overcome with great fear. When Jesus begins to heal people, the people that witness those healings, we are told, are overcome with great fear. And I want us to ask ourselves, do we have a place in our lives to experience this holy, biblical fear? That this indeed is the proper response when sinful people experience the supernatural power of God himself. Because this is what our reaction should be. When we're taken from darkness into the glorious light of the glory of God being revealed, we should be overcome with fear. What I'm troubled by is that are we so contained within the earthly realm that we have no space for this heavenly realm to even enter into our lives? And that because of this blindness, because of our busyness, because of our sin, we are completely incompetent to understand what the presence of a holy God coming to us should actually cause us to do. We are so infatuated and in love with God's creation that we've missed the creator. But there's good news. Because what I want us to see this morning is that this is exactly where the shepherds found themselves. They had no understanding, no conception No expectation that heaven would ever be conjoined to earth. And this is where God meets them in his grace. And what I want us to see in the lives of these shepherds is four things the awakening, the worship, the welcome, and the witness. When I was growing up, there was really there's a couple things I didn't like that my parents did. Just a couple. But one of the things I hated most was to be woken up by the lights being turned on. Right? I didn't get a very nice whisper of, Honey, it's time to wake up. I didn't get someone to come and scratch my back or to do anything that was relatively gracious or loving. I got the light switch. These shepherds experienced that light switch. They were in complete darkness. This is what Luke tells us. They were fending, they were tending their flock at night, and the light switch came on. But this is the message that they received when that light switch came on: Fear not. And what does the angel mean, fear not? Well, praise God that he tells us why they should not fear. For behold, he says in verse 10, I bring you good news of great joy. You see, the angel has this message for these shepherds, knowing that they were will be overcome with fear because of the glory of God, but he wants to fill that fear, that great fear, with great joy. And where does this transformation come from? In verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. But before we get to the titles of Jesus, look, look at this proclamation. Unto you. Unto you, shepherds. The Mishnah, which is one of the first Jewish oral traditions written down about the 3rd century B.C., records that shepherds were often suspected of practicing the craft of robbers. Shepherds were some of the most untrustworthy people in the Jewish society. Yet it was unto them, it was unto them that God saw fit to send his angels to to proclaim, turn your fear into great joy, because unto you our God has sent a Savior. God likes to use weakness to reveal his grace. This is what Mary sang about in the Magnificat. Bringing down the mighty to exalt the humble. He makes empty the rich to fill the poor. God delights to use those who have nothing to accomplish his purposes. You see, these shepherds, these outcasts, These were the ones that God first proclaimed outside of Mary and Zechariah. These are the first ones who have heard of this great news that a Savior has come to them. And this is good news for us, brothers and sisters. Because that means that we can never be too poor. We can never be too outcast. We can never be too far to escape the divine love that God has for us in Jesus. Because he found these shepherds when they weren't looking for him. And he revealed his glory to them. These shepherds weren't like Zechariah in the temple. They were doing what? They were doing their ordinary job. They were doing whatever they needed to do to put food into their bellies. And God sent an angel to them to reveal to them that he was acting in history, that he was bringing about the great salvation that he had promised in all the Old Testament through Jesus. And it's these type of people who need a Savior. The shepherds were, in biblical terms, woke. They realized that they had never seen something. And God opened their eyes to see his glory. That out of their misery, God calls and proclaims to them great mercy and love. Now, if we aren't careful, we can very quickly read over these these titles of Jesus. This one who came to save. Because Christians in the first century were forced to live within the kingdom of Rome. And it was Caesar who claimed to be their liberator and savior. According to legend, Caesar Augustus, like Alexander the Great, had been miraculously conceived by a serpent. An inscription discovered and dated in 9 BC hails Augustus as a god whose birthday signaled the the beginning of good news for the world. Another inscription proclaims him that he is the father of the divine homeland, inherited from his father Zeus, and a savior to common folk. his foresight not only fulfilled the entrances of all people, but surpassed them, making peace for land and sea. While cities bloom with order, harmony, and good seasons, the product- productivity of all things is good, and it is prime. There are fond hopes for the future and goodwill during the present, which fills all men. So they ought to, be, be, they ought to bear pleasing sacrifices and hymns. This inscription is declaring that it is Caesar who is their Savior, that it is Caesar whom they should have hope in. It is Caesar who has brought peace. It is Caesar who has brought them good news. And Luke is saying, No, it ain't. He's implicitly stating, Caesar is not your Savior. It's Jesus. And this is great news because the Jews had been oppressed by Rome for centuries. They had continually tried to fight against this oppression. And it's to these people that this angel proclaims the Christ, the Christed one, the anointed one. The Lord of all creations has come to save you. And they experienced awakening. For they saw, they, for they, saw, they heard of this good news that God was coming to redeem them. And then we see, as we see this awakening, we also see the worship. In verse 13 to 14, we see the only natural and supernatural response to such a proclamation. And suddenly there was the angel, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. A host, a multitude of angels appeared. Because this is the only way that heaven can respond to such great news. This song is different than the other two songs we've looked at so far. The first two songs were songs from the human perspective of God's fulfilling his promise. This song is how heaven responds to the proclamation of the good news. Jesus has come to save his people. God's glory filled the skies. And the angels began began to sing. The best hallelujah chorus ever. But look. Look at how the angels describe. Look at what they are singing about. They are singing because of the glory of God has been revealed and peace on earth. This is the peace that these people, these Jewish people are hoping for. But unfortunately, they had misplaced their hopes. For they had only hoped that they would have peace from Rome. And what this angel proclaims, what this host of angels, this army, this legion of angels, isn't that interesting? An army of angels is proclaiming peace. But the Jewish expectation was far too small of what this peace looked like. For they thought peace meant Rome was going to be gone. But that wasn't the type of peace that Jesus came to proclaim. He was proclaiming peace with God himself. He was proclaiming peace that we might have With God, because he was going to wash away our sins upon the cross. This peace is a peace of reconciliation. That our sins might be dealt with. That we might enter into the presence, into this glorious presence with the angels. And sing their song, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom with, he, with whom he's pleased. I want to ask you, what type of peace are you seeking? Because this is what our society tells us. Our society tells us, if you want peace, go and get it. If you want peace go and get it. If you're unhappy with your marriage, it's okay. You can have a different one. If you don't like your friends, that's okay. Just find new ones. If you don't like intimacy, or if you haven't found intimacy, go, find it. If you want fun, if you want to have a good time, go and find it. But this is what the angels don't do not say they don't go say go find it they say go find him for unto you a savior is born and i wonder how similar we are to these shepherds exiles loners self-reliant And where are we looking for this peace? Because the peace that God offers us only comes through Christ. It comes when God is most glorified, and He was most glorified at the cross. True biblical godly peace is only found in a child. In a child that came for us. In a poor child who came to a virgin teenager. God is using the meek and the mild to bring redemption. The world. And the angels promised a sign. They said, You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The angel proclaimed to them a tangible reality. Do you know how this peace can be found? Go find Jesus. We have given you our word and we're going to give you a physical representation to reveal to you that our word is true. Go and find the baby. And this is where we see a welcoming. Because these shepherds very quickly turned into our children on Christmas morning. They couldn't contain themselves. They woke up Christmas morning, they knew the presents were under the tree, and they went with haste. I can only think of the the Christmas movie, A Christmas Story. And I can just see the two brothers running to their presence, and one of them tackles the other because they're so impatient that they want to make sure that they get there first. And we have these shepherds running to haste, and they found Mary and Joseph. They found this baby, and they could do only what they had been told. And they told everybody about it. They found this sign. Many of us might believe in this proclamation of the word, in this announcement that the gospel has truly come to us in Christ. And many of us hope for a sign as significant as finding a baby in a manger. We want something physical, and that's okay. Our physicalness is not sin. And we have a God who loves us, who has given us a physical sign of his love for us in Christ. What these shepherds experienced was a singular act of the fullness of time of God's salvation in the incarnation of Christ. But because God knows us in our weakness, that we also need a sign to confirm the promises that he has given us in Christ, he has given us this table and this baptism to remind us that Christ came declaring the peace of God for shepherds, for people who don't deserve it, for people who weren't looking for it. Brothers and sisters, do you understand how much God loves you in Christ? He not only sent you a sign, He gave you a promise of Jesus to conform us, to make us look more like Jesus. Because unfortunately, we're more like the sheep in the story, we wander away. But we should come to this table and ask like we sang, may it be like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Because at the manger, it's not that the shepherds were welcoming this Savior, it's when they found this Savior that they were welcomed. We see awakening, we see the worship, we see the welcoming, and we also see the witness. In verse 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they heard and seen as it had been told to them. This is the natural response of the Christian life. The good news is proclaimed to these shepherds. A sign is promised. Heavens opened up and declared the goodness and of God's grace that he had for his people. They went and they found this Savior that had been promised to them. The only response that makes any sense. Is that they would turn and glorify and praise God and tell everybody about it? Is this how we speak of the peace and the joy that we have found in Christ? Is our natural response the only response that we see as a proper, reasonable outworking of the grace that we have received in this Savior? that we cannot wait. We cannot wait to glorify and to praise God and to tell others of this good news that Christ has come unto you. Is this how we speak of the peace that comes from this good Savior? When heaven came down to earth. This is the Savior in a tangible and a personal way. This Savior is the Savior that turns our greatest fears into joy. He protects us He protects us from the wrath of God. That is what true peace is. He protects us from our enemies. Brothers and sisters, here's the promise. He will keep you until he returns because he is a savior that always seeks his sheep. Let's pray. Father, may we hear this great song of the angels and may our fear be turned into joy. May we experience this true peace that only comes in Christ. Lord, may we return this morning to our homes glorifying and praising and proclaiming the great news that the Savior has come. Amen. If you'll take out your bulletins and stand as we confess, as we have done this Advent season, the Westminster Confession of Faith. Chapter 8, Section 3 and 4. Christ Presbyterian Church, what do you believe? and his human nature may be seated.